0: Hi, I'm Dr. Stan Steindl, coming to you from Malulabar on Gubbi Gubbi Country. Welcome to Compassion in a T-Shirt. Today, I'll be speaking with Peter Gologli, who's a counselling psychologist in Brisbane, Australia, working in both private practice and outpatient settings. Peter currently delivers a CFT day program in a private mental health clinic. He has a lot of experience now running CFT in groups. Peter also enjoys weaving compassion into his private work, including trauma-focused IFS interventions, EMDR resourcing, as well as parts work with clients who hear voices and clients that experience dissociative disorders. Peter is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to delivering compassion-focused therapy in groups. And so I bring you Peter Gologoli. <music> Does that sound all right? Sounds good. We, yeah, we, we may as well get started. I mean, I, it is great to get to chat. I mean, we we caught up at the workshop and uh, you were telling us about the wonderful work you're doing with uh, CFT in groups and, and so on. I really felt um excited at the idea of chatting to you about that because you know there's if even if we think the world over you know like th- there are some key places where cft really is being you know rolled out in groups and so on but not many you know like it, it's yeah. it's there's um so you you kind of really at the the cutting edge there mate and sort of <laughs> you know probably have a lot of a lot to offer us i think in terms of the wisdom of how to how to roll this stuff out and and how to do cft in groups and and work with the group group dynamics and and various other bits so thank you for coming on to what i sometimes like to call compassion in a t-shirt yes thank you welcome so yeah so but let, let's let's go back in time a little bit and and sort of hear like where. You're a psychologist. What's the story yes. there? How did how did you get into psychology, I guess, in the first place and, and so yeah. on? I'm um, um,
1: sort of a, actually a late arrival to psychology in many ways. So I ah. um, started a study about 10 years ago and I've been a registered or a counselling psychologist now for the last four or five years, give or take. Um, okay. But I guess um, right from when I was young, I kind of um, was really inspired by initially crisis work so um like Haley that you interviewed before I, I had a kind of long 20 years in Lifeline doing volunteer crisis counseling so so that for many years was my kind of way that I had work and kind of this sort of well I guess from the sort of the early days really compassion for others who were kind of in crisis so so that was that was something I really enjoyed but um at some stage I. will crisis work is 20 minutes, you know, you're with someone and you never see them again. Mm. And I really wanted to be involved in the process, you know, have a bit more um, skin in the game, so to speak, and to be there on the journey more so with, with people. So that was really what motivated me to kind of get involved in this more full-time.
0: Can you, What may I ask what you did do before psychology? What, what was your yeah. career um, then?
1: Yeah, so um, uh, IT, so I did computer science at, in, in the 80s. Uh, Worked for sort of corporate companies, so IBM and those sorts of things, <clears throat> but yeah. I sort of ended up really in healthcare, and particularly building what are now the statewide electronic healthcare systems for the state government and also nationally. So I was involved with in yeah. standards. I don't know, you know, I was embedded, all of that stuff.
0: Is there a a kind of a similarity crossover there? The the idea of of you know, the systems in IT and, and the kind of the formulations, you know, the kind of creating a sense of the systems mm-hmm. for human beings. I mean, what would you say about that just as a matter of interest?
1: Well, I, I guess why I kept finding myself that the technology piece and to some degree, I think also therapies, that technology and therapies is reasonably straightforward and reasonably easy to kind of master. But it's this interface between others and and using those skills that's hard. And, and I found myself, sort of in the equivalent sort of zone of of there was the computer technology and the outcomes that people wanted. And I kept finding myself in the middle there kind of as a kind of United Nations, if you like, trying to um, get things working. So yeah, I think it's that boundary between people and skills and approaches and evidence-based kind of knowledge and so on. Just getting that to work in practice is the hard bit.
0: It's very, very, very cool. I mean, in many ways, IT... really boils down to human behavior in a sense, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Because you're trying to kind of think, how do I work all this bit out so that those tricky humans can actually, (laughs) you know, interact with it. And, and, um, uh, which which brings us to the tricky brain. I mean, I, what 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 sort of then? So you went went into the psychology thing, counselling first of all, crisis counselling into the psychology thing. What about becoming more interested in in compassion and maybe even CFT? What what brought you to CFT? I,
1: I guess uh, you know, as I as I started, I really started perhaps from more the act perspective, so psychological mm. flexibility. Um, but I just sort of kept hitting. For moments with clients where they were really harsh on themselves and had this really Mm. strong inner criticism and um, although compassion definitely is in ACT models and other therapies there wasn't a way to sort of really get at or to people who had this really really harsh critic who had been around for a long time and this kind of really ingrained shame and kind of often self-loathing for example. Um, and I just felt felt like I needed something a bit more targeted that would really kind of bring this to the fore and give me something to work with. So um that was what really led me into Paul's work, to Paul Gilbert's work and compassion focused therapy and that kind of the workshop back that we did originally when he came out to Brisbane um, four or five years ago now, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, so so that's that's sort of how that grew.
0: Yes, the 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 self-criticism and shame. I mean, that's the thing that really well, Paul, a lot of a lot of Paul's sort of earlier research was specifically around shame, wasn't it? And and his model, mm-hmm. his, his biopsychosocial model of shame, and and um, uh, and and it just seems to be this kind of ubiquitous, transdiagnostic, ever-present yes. phenomenon, I guess that that we're we're kind of dealing with. And and um,
1: but there's there's something that sort of classic mindfulness doesn't touch. When we're dealing with that, you know, that those really powerful emotions that are so ingrained, we need something that's very interpersonal and very human, right? Mm. To to be with people in those moments and give them kind of a guess. Um, once once they sort of, I guess, the experience of what it would be like to have self compassion for themselves, which may not be something they've kind of experienced before, and then a way to kind of build on that the skills and approach to kind of go somewhere with that
0: what what does that shift look like for you do you think you know like or or what have you noticed in some of your clients or people you're working with you know what what's can you give us a little flavor of you know when someone is so self-critical has that long history of self-criticism self-loathing as you said you know what are the first glimpses maybe, or or what what's that look like when people start to become self-compassionate or or, or start to experiment a bit with that or move in that mm. direction? Any thoughts there? I,
1: I guess you know I, you know people have different paths to this, but but I guess there is sort of a I've observed a bit of a classic pattern, mm. and particularly in groups, um groups is kind of where I notice this the most. Mm. They'll arrive to group and really have often no idea what compassion really is and come with mm. um you know the usual myths and misunderstandings of it that it's weakness mm. or that it's um going to kind of rob me of motivation and so on and, and mm. so there's mm. that sort of education piece but I guess the first telling moment is your own modeling compassion for others. So when they see that you've got it right and you can be self-compassionate and they in a group, they witness other group members being compassionate to each other and to themselves. Mm. They sort of think, mm, I'd, "I'd like some of that." Yeah, mm. and and mm. and that's kind of a first shift. Um, mm. And then at some stage, it's often quite later. You that first felt kind of it's almost sort of somatic, body-based feeling of compassion for themselves. So mm. often, easier to do compassion for others when they yeah. get that first glimpse of feeling it, right? It's mm. it's magic. Yeah. And if mm. you pause and get them to notice that, that, that can be life changing.
0: Yeah, the first bit's great. That I, I I interviewed our friend James Kirby about his book yeah. recently and, and mm. um he made the point there, I think it was that um, you know, we we're humans very much sort of are copiers. You know, we 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 copy imitate, I think actually he, mm. he probably said um each other. And so there's a real role for that, I guess, isn't there, of, of the therapist kind of uh, demonstrating modeling this this thing and and then people can sometimes be just a bit tempted to to copy that or to imitate compassion. and and yeah. you know the, the one of the, <clears throat> the greatest ways that we can uh, cultivate compassion around us in in others is is to model it ourselves mm-hmm. um but then yeah the 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 self-compassion starts to sort of creep in later I I, I I must admit I sometimes feel like one of the first clues that people are moving more in that direction is 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 a harder one actually it's a it's almost like a a, a grief that are, that arises for people mm-hmm. a sadness yeah. a, a sense yeah. of which I think is sometimes a little bit in the sympathy you know that this sort of just mm-hmm. this little touch point of of sympathy for oneself and what oneself has gone through and then the grief that you know kind of comes along with that do, do you notice that sort of thing yourself with people? definitely
1: and, and also the sense of lost years you know when they mm. when they know what's possible and there is this grief around how long they've been stuck right in kind of Un- unhelpfulness and lack yeah. of compassion for themselves. So, yeah, of, often I'm. Um, it's almost sort of the the most common thing that happens. That feeling of yeah. loss and grief.
0: Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think grief is a, a big one for us to think about because, of course, um, it's very uncomfortable and painful to <laughs> actually feel that, and so that yeah. can then feed back into the the reservations about going there, can't it? Because people yeah. feel it's a bit like someone you know a lot of behavior change you know initially the consequences of that behavior change can be sort of punishing or negative consequences and so we back away Mm -hmm. from making the changes same sort of thing here sometimes those initial initial consequences can be grief which is is very painful and punishing Mm -hmm. you alluded to groups there and, and that that is something that i think is really i'd love to uh tap into your wisdom about that because you've been running cft groups for for some time now and and uh, what what got you into group work i guess rather than perhaps i mean you you might probably also use this individually but yeah what got you into the groups
1: um well i'm employed uh, by ramsey healthcare at new farm clinic and been running a day program there for um day programs so i've run cpt programs and act programs and you know, I was really enjoying the compassion work that I was doing in private practice and really wanted mm. to bring that to a group setting. Um, and there was sort of, I don't know, you know, a, a lot of people who have been in and out of, um, have had sort of recurrent admissions, find it really, there's, there's something about therapies that sort of, um, it's a little bit like water for ducks back, you know, it, it bounces off them. There's a bit of Teflon mm. there. And, it, and a kind of universal sense that really somewhere this harsh criticism is part of what's making it hard for them to get well. So you know there was a sort of demand, you know, and a you know a, a ready sort of cohort of people who were really crying out for this kind of thing. So so it was it was you know something that was wanted and something that's been popular. Um, yeah yeah it's, it's it's been a joy.
0: Do, do you think the there's something about doing it in a group that is um, you know kind of particularly wanted or in demand, or or is it more just the demand was high and so forth, Therefore this is a way to help more people get through it. what, what What's your feeling about that?
1: Oh, I, I think CFT in a group is a totally different experience than CFT kind of one-on-one. You know, when you've got a group, you've got sort of people at different stages and different levels and different experiences. But, you know, all that lovely common humanity that kind of comes along and people can bounce off each other. When you get challenged by one group member on a topic or an idea or, or um, something, everyone else is listening. Right. And, you know, there's, there's, there's just those lovely dynamics that happen that are just impossible to create in other settings
0: yeah there's there's something about CFT in particular that really lends itself to a group, isn't it? Because we, well, I mean, we're all about the three flows of compassion and and groups yeah. really can uh, give us the 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 opportunity to to you know kind of try all of that out, I suppose, yeah. you know, like being compassionate to other group members, yeah. um, practicing gradually, opening ourselves up to receiving it from them all. Um, and then eventually in that um, uh, camaraderie sort of a way, everyone starts to, you know, kind of move towards self-compassion. Uh, and so there's something about the group itself that really, really helps.
1: Um, and, and I don't know whether you've noticed this, Stan, in your own groups, but um, people will do something or do things in a room with others that they won't do outside the room. You know, this whole there'll be a momentum as you go around the group and it's, you know, you know, it might be looking at a kind, you know, it might be shame, for example, if you're working with that, looking at this from a compassionate perspective and, and someone will have no idea really, or no willingness to do it. But as you're coming around the group and they're hearing other group members take this sort of compassionate frame on it, by the time it gets to them, they're willing to give it a go, right? There's this mm. sort of momentum or this, you know, I think we're all sheep in some way, you know, so we like to follow each other. So people will do things. you You can see it happening. They'll just do something in a group, in that setting with that sort of wave of energy that goes around the group, and mm. they'll and they'll try something on that. they will say something to themselves they've never said before.
0: You know with compassion and self-compassion, courage is often the key, isn't mm-hmm. it, really? Yes. And, and yeah. maybe theres and they get yeah, maybe there's something in that, you know that that the, the the camaraderie again just sort of creates a sense of feeling encouraged uh mm-hmm. to, to to go there, to give it a try, to, to see what it's like, feeling sort of safe in the context mm-hmm. maybe of yeah. of you know the common humanity. And we're sort of all mm-hmm. going through this a little bit and and the you know, especially the facilitator being able to to kind of create that sort of context and, and feeling safe and also encouraged in a sense um Mm. that's the sweet spot you know where people then then feel willing and able to to give it a go or something like that
1: yeah i agree i agree and there is that safeness that you get from the group that that sense of you know like i can kind of be my authentic self here with others um and i'm not going to be judged or banished for it
0: how do you kind of help create that? Because in some ways, it's a, it's also a challenge for a group, isn't it? Because, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's turning up. There are all these people that they maybe don't know uh, yes. or don't know very well. Um, humans are hyper-social animals. I mean, we love it in some ways, but we're also hopeless at it in some ways as well. I mean, what, what, do, you, what, is, what do you do there to create that sense of safeness in the group?
1: It, it is it is the kind of the primary task of um, the person leading the group and and also groups have responsibility for this themselves to create it. so so I think you have to bring some sort of level of group awareness not just from your own facilitation style but with other group members that this is something we create each day that we come um but it it when it when it's great it's great you know when you've got it going and you've got you know a regular core turning up, And you've got this momentum and a set of kind of expectations of each other. It just happens. Right. And it happens Mm. effortlessly, but you know, some days it doesn't. And some days, you know, some group members can be a bit dysregulated and that can kind of really set the energy off in the group and in other ways. Mm. And I guess even on those days, you know, as facilitator you practice compassion for for all of that. So it's how you kind Mm. of sit with that distress and kind of the, you know, every group experience doesn't have to be perfect. Um, mm. but yeah, yeah mm. it's it's um. I don't know. It's a little bit. You can't force it. You know, the group has to no. kind of arrive at that themselves.
0: Yes, you can. I, I always like the saying: "You can take a horse to water, but you <clears> can't make him drink. But you can put salt in the oats. <laughs> you can make the horse thirsty." <laughs> And it's a bit like that with creating safeness, isn't it? I mean, you right, can't yes. force it. Yes, but there are little ingredients, I suppose, that you can yeah. put in, you know, to the to the sort of the process of it all that just yeah. makes it a bit more likely that people will uh, well, it's it, yeah, you know, that feeling of of safeness that that can yeah. arise. you know, someone, who's who's leading the group that you know feel we feel safe in their hands or mm. you know certain things happen we, we've, we're we watching how that gets kind of managed or resolved and that helps us to feel confident that that we're safe and and so it's a it's a kind of a yeah very much a an, an iterative uh process you know feeling that we're creating there
1: um it is you know i guess to go with your sense salt and oats analogy yeah (laughs) um it 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 is magic when you've got a couple of members in your group who are particularly kind of psychologically aware and even better compassionately aware and just you know the use of them whether you go to them first when you're doing kind of looking for reflections or if it's getting a bit off track you know uh, it just needs a couple of people in your group um that can be sort of um they're not you, so they're not facilitating, but they they kind of reset kind of where the energy of the group's going. So I I definitely mm. rely on them from time
0: to time. Yeah, the the um the kind of the guided discovery piece, isn't it? Mm. And, and and finding ways to you know who might it be in the group that might sort of get that ball rolling a little bit, and then once yeah. there's a sense there of okay, that went okay, maybe I can you know mm. say something too. Exactly. I remember I, uh, when I've run groups I've, I've i've run groups with veterans for example mm-hmm. combat oh. veterans and and so on and and mm-hmm. uh, it it's that they, they've always taught me a lot and and i've found that it is often interesting to sort of see who is the you know is there someone in the group that is a bit more charismatic almost i'm not sure what the right word is but and and which way do they lean you know like is is the more outspoken one you know ah this this sucks you know i don't want to i don't like self pity or something like mm. that <laughs> uh, or are they you know this is great come on guys you know we can do this or whatever and and um and actually either way in some ways you know they you can sort of engage them a little bit interact with them maybe it's working with the fears blocks and resistances maybe it's looking at these facilitators of compassion and then the The rest of the group gradually comes into that conversation, that discussion, and and out comes the the wisdom of the group, sort of thing. From mm-hmm. there,
1: yes, I agree.
0: But who is it that you are working with then? Or like, what what are some of the uh, you know presentations, maybe, or that sort of thing? Uh, I guess
1: anxiety um, and trauma would be the two, and, and depression. So so, um, and they all overlap often. So that that would probably kind of represent maybe half to three quarters of my group. Mm. Um, in a sort of related overlap as well, it can be whether it's a workplace incident that happened or a sense of being bullied at work and then kind of hesitant to go back. So that can be another kind of reason why people present. Um, mm. People with kind of struggling with eating. Um, some people with psychosis. Um, mm. uh, you know, um, I guess people have to be. These sorts of groups people are reasonably high, somewhat high functioning right in terms mm-hmm. of you know being able to be in a group for a day and and kind of work from this perspective but um yeah yeah kind of that that sort of that sort of population
0: do, do you as, ever try to kind of manage the, the the makeup of the group in that sense different people or just the people come and and yeah mm-hmm. okay
1: yeah. I, you know, people get referred, and I suppose I, I just have never refused it. I I can't remember refusing anyone to come to the group. Yes. I, I just, you know, I, you just, they just have to be well enough to be able to be in it. You know, our group goes, we've got a, our, it's a day program, so it goes from nine till a quarter past two, which is a pretty long mm. day for people. Mm. Um, so to, it's not everyone can kind of handle that. Um, mm. but that that's really it that people can be in a group and they can kind of last the day
0: okay yeah 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 that's cool because the, the a lot of the research i guess into groups uh cft groups at least tends to be specific um presentations certainly the any mm. of the stuff i've been involved in yeah um i know that kate lucra has done a lot of work with quite mixed groups um mm as well and and including yeah trauma and complex trauma and personality and things like that um but um so you mentioned there the it's it's sort of like a day 9 till 230 or something like mm-hmm. that what 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 is the structure of it all how does how does it all kind of like literally roll out
1: the beginning um i don't always do it in the same order but there'll there'll be a soft landing so so some normally a soothing with a breathing type of soft landing. Hmm. Um, there'll be often a check-in of what people were practising between the last session and this session. So usually at the end of the day, we'll <clears throat> take whatever that we're working with and invite people to sort of say, well, what might, how might they put that into practice and what would that look like? And then we can use you know people's experiences of that as an opportunity to look at fears, blocks, and resistances or successes, you know, all that sort of stuff. So often that'll happen at the beginning. And then um we, you know, really need some sort of check-in. So people often come with distress and they aren't going to be in a place in the group until they feel like they've been heard. Right. So, so um check-in, check in that that whole process runs into a morning tea. So um, and I'll play with the check-in a bit. So um, sometimes we'll do check-in in pairs. Sometimes we'll go around the whole group. Sometimes we'll do check-in from a compassion perspective. Sometimes we'll do check-in from a three circles perspective. Um, uh, I just tend to mix check-in up a little bit so that people just don't sort of kind of tell the same story and get sort of stuck in a narrative. Um, after morning mm-hmm. tea, we usually do some content. So um, lots of... Um, but often my group's a little bit... My groups can be sort of a dozen people or so, so, you know, might split it up into pairs so people get more talk time rather than it being too didactic. Um, But much of the day is spent then often trying to pair, you know, a time where they've struggled to be compassionate with a skill or an approach or or some of the content that we're doing in compassion. And then, as I said, usually the afternoon is um, kind of finishing that off and then there's, of soft landing right so that people don't go home dysregulated and that classic you know what's the takeaway from today and you know how do you want to put this into practice so so that hmm. would be a typical day
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and, and and actually stan but by, by the yeah. way just quickly um and and i think the lunch and the morning tea when i'm not there is just as important so uh-huh. they wander out of the room and go and talk to each other and i don't know i think i think fair swag of what's beneficial in a compassion group happens in my absence you know it's you <laughs> know once the group gets going and they all have lunch together it's beautiful
0: yes yeah, so um now it's a is it a clo- it's an open group is that right or a close- yes it,
1: well yeah it started actually as a closed group but you know, right. what was happening was that <clears throat> it was just too long you know for people to get into the next cohort so people would be discharged they wanted oh. to kind of get going straight away and it would be Yeah, sure. I'll see you in two months, you know, and, you know, that Mm. didn't go down very well. So, um, and, and also, you know, there is people's kind of mental health does come and go. So people would kind of get, they might need to be readmitted or something. So, you know, um, kind of close groups are lovely in the sense that you get the same people, but sort of dropout is a problem and, you know, you can, you don't have to start too big, um, at the beginning, to you know, not everyone sort of copes with sort of really large sizes, but you don't want to lose your critical mass either. So, so it somewhat got decided for me that, that we're going to do open groups, and I've just learned to embrace it now. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, but most weeks we'll have someone new joining the group, um, and there's an icebreaker process, and I try to mix the icebreaker kind of thing up. Um, but yeah, um, and I, I often tell people when they first land with us that um to to not really expect to get what we're speaking about in the first couple of sessions right so it's mm. just to take the pressure off that and others tell them the same thing but that by sort of session 3 that they'll sort of get they'll feel more familiar and then yeah you know, sort of um just mm. just to take that weight off things
0: mm. because there is there sort of like a certain number of actual sessions that then roll from there how yes. many sessions have you have you got
1: well i took paul's protocol so paul's paul's group protocol which is 12 but it's yep. sort of session 1's really in his protocol largely around getting you know introducing the group members and having everyone sort of kind of get used to each other and session 12 is largely where to from here yeah so that so yeah. sort of 1 and 12 kind of um uh a lot, a lot of it is hard to sort of do when you've got an open group cushion. That, yeah. that sort of thing never happens. Um, but largely the 10 in the middle I've got. Um, I've stolen Russ not stolen, but um, um, Russell Colts' anger protocol, so um, the uh, rage. Um, so use that. Um, people really find that helpful. And I guess by popular demand, people have done other therapies so what they're interested in is doing is applying what they know how to do already with a compassionate lens. So um, I've added, you know, a act kind of day where we, where we look at psychological flexibility from a compassionate perspective. Um, there's, an, there's an approach, um, another kind of resources approach, building, nurturing self, protective self, kind of wise, spiritual self, these internal resources. Mm-hmm. So we have a day doing that. Um, uh, there's a lot of interest in parts work and and um, this, the multi- the multiplicity and compassion kind of really lends lends well to internal family systems. So We have an IFS day um, and we have a focus on trauma. So we do a kind of adverse life events day where we look at how do we how how do you apply the CFT skills you've got when you might dissociate or you kind of experience any of the sort of triggers and so on. So that so people really
0: like that okay so it's really sort of um well that's what i love about compassion focus therapy is is bringing a compassion focus to perhaps other things that people are yes. already doing or have learned about or or that sort of thing just a curiosity about the open group because I, i've always done closed groups actually and mm-hmm. and yet i can totally see the the practical utility really of of um some sort you know just having the open open group what have you collected stats on things like you know uh, how many people how many sessions do people tend to come to you know like um uh, what what sort of numbers are are there in kind of each group does that fluctuate you know just just the the attendance and and engagement with with group any figures there
1: it's yeah it's a lot easier to have high numbers with an open group because you're not Um, you know as people get referred they can start um it it is a little bit terrifying because what what you find at least for me i don't know our current group for example has got 22 or 23 people enrolled um, and most days we get somewhere between 12 and 14 people turning up around about that number um so it's just terrifying what would happen if they all turned up one day or none of them turned up one day but you know,
0: you just yes. you just have to roll with it. Yes. Right. Yeah. What well, what if the first session for someone is the the trauma day, for example, or something mm. like that? You know, like how, how do you as opposed to perhaps the day where you're talking about, you know, maybe body-based practices or safe place imagery or something. Mm. How how do you manage the, you know, the, the the sort of the the type of day that is the first for someone?
1: Aren't. Yes, so, so they start wherever we are. Um, and, you know, even with the trauma day, you know, we're not going to ask people to suddenly go and recall things from when they were five. We're just more working with the skill of, you know, when, when, some, when a previous life experience kind of sets off your threat system, kind of how can you cope with that better? And, yeah, uh, or, you know, someone will arrive and it will be kind of letter writing day or it will be the shame day. You know, I don't know. Mm people just arrive in the middle and what often happens is they just sort of go with the flow but they'll sort of um you kind know, lots of people go around more than once right so mm. so um you know, they'll, they'll catch it the second time as well and go oh it just makes a lot more sense now and i really know what's happening
0: yeah. yes yeah okay
1: but there is, there is definitely a danger for people that they could get lost and and mm. you know feel confused all day, and we just normalize that and apologize and say, "Don't worry, you know you'll we, we re- you'll figure out." We repeat ourselves very soon, right? Because they're sort of the same themes that you do over yeah. and over again.
0: Yes, yeah. yeah, yes. I wondered about that too. Whether whether there's a you know kind of, for example, some sort of definition of compassion gets mentioned every time, or you mm-hmm. know the, the the notion of three flows, or the notion of fears, or whatever it might be. Some of the some of the kind of Key uh, bits of information from CFT, whether it just comes, you know, it gets spoken about every every session yes. or something. Um, in,
1: in the in the handout, we'll have a specific handout for each week, but in the back is like a, a two-page summary of the key compassion concepts and, oh, and a one-page kind of resource, which is some resources specific to the topic, but also, um, you know, referring to, for example, Stan, your book, Right. Oh, and yes. Compassion <laughs> and, and James and Paul's. Yes. Yes. But, um, yeah. So yes. point them to all those resources um, and also the Compassion Initiative, which I use a lot as a kind of. Oh, yes. As a, as a call out to that. Um, yeah. So, so and there are photos of you and Compassion in a T-shirt on a particular topic. So, oh. so it's kind of I line those resources up so they they know when they go to home, if it kind of was a bit confusing, there's other places they can go and digest this more slowly.
0: So, so it. I mean, it sounds like you've done a lot of group work. I mean, that's you know amazing stuff. What, what's what would be then unique to running a CFT group? You know, compared to other things, is there is there anything there, or or how you know what's what's unique about perhaps utilizing a group in CFT? So you know, one way or the other.
1: Look, I think the ways of working with self criticism and shame, and and people really feeling like they're alone. With their experiences um and come into group Um, i'm a bit of a I, i love using the whiteboard so we'll we'll really doesn't matter what the topic is but i'll put everyone's name down the left hand side and um get people to kind of reflect on or provide information on on some often about an experience and and sort of um kind of what showed up for them or um might be sort of mapping a skill to a kind of a struggle and um, just this sort of idea. I, I love ticking, so so people people would say, oh, you know, and and also the same as what Sally said, and I'd say that's great. I love ticking, so so this common humanity of yes, me too, right? Ah. And everyone's going, oh, me too, yeah. So so and seeing it on the whiteboard where they can see, um, so for example, like we might do that. You know, there's the conceptualization of CFT, which has got you know those internal external threats and unattended consequences and effect on self. So when you do that on a whiteboard with people, with an example where they're struggling with compassion and people say, yes, we are sort of all different and our experiences are different somewhat, there's this incredible overlap, right, in terms of what we do and how our minds respond and the unintended consequences. Mm. And that in itself, when they look at it, it's, it's, it's very, very kind of normalising and healing. You know, mm. that I'm not broken, I'm not bad. Um, mm-hmm. every, all of us struggle with this.
0: Mm. brings brings everyone to the you know it's it's not my fault perhaps thing you know and 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 and, um the common humanity seems to be the the big kind of asset i guess of working in groups is is you can uh really tap into to the wisdom of the tricky brain and and the the um it's not my fault and and actually um on, you know, when it comes to FBRs, fears, blocks, resistances mm. as well, in a way. You know, it sounds like yes. you almost were describing their, you know, just formulating the FBRs and, and how mm. people can sort of, oh, yeah, me too, even with that.
1: Yes. And and you get a chance to ask people how they work with them. So you'll hear other group members say, yeah. and when that happens for you, what do you do, right? And and so it's great when it's not coming out of your lips, when, when mm. the wisdom of the group kind of gives the answer.
0: Do you use little self-disclosure anecdotes or or little examples that way at all
1: with fears for example Mm, yeah yeah so so definitely share my own you know within appropriate bounds of course yes um but but um very clear that you know we we are all humans right me included Mm. and 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 i'm not always compassionate yeah that that you know i can struggle with that myself in certain contexts and and that, you know, that's something I'm working on. So people are, and then people are always interested in, and in, and how are you trying to work with that? So you can see once they know that you're kind of not different to anyone else. Yeah. How do you do that? And how do you go with that?
0: Yes. The compassionate mind training course, it sort of encourages us as facilitators to give little, little examples, you know, things that have happened mm-hmm. in the week, again, in you know, appropriate boundaries and that sort of thing. But I think there's something very powerful in um, that, common humanity with the therapist or facilitator as well and and in Mm. fact i suspect that helps with things like uh the the safeness in the group that we were talking about before and and managing though sometimes that power differential and and that sort of thing so where where to from here for you with all of this i mean it sounds like you you definitely you know kind of Moving along and and week after week you're running these these groups which is incredible and it's hard work too actually for facilitators running groups but what's exciting you about it all from here CFT and yeah. CFT in groups
1: well yeah so there there is sort of to some degree the usual kind of challenges you were just saying not my fault before but you know that's not the easiest concept for people to grasp and to believe mm. I keep saying but it is my fault. I, I did all those things, right? I mm. deserve the suffering that I'm having now, you know, sort of, and going round and round, coming back to, you know, that, that notion of you know it's distress in the moment that we're discussing and non-judgment about it and this sort of motivation to kind of shift the focus, the responsibility to be helpful. Mm. So, so I guess the basics of CFT remain challenging. Um, yes. um, it's, it's every, you know, you're, Last week is yesterday's fish and chip wrappings, you know, um, um, you know it, it's over. So you've got to kind of rebuild the group that day and and deal with kind of whatever the challenges are coming. Um, yes. But I, I guess the other thing that's really got me interested now is um, part of it sort of came out of um, this notion of self and and kind of an internal family systems approach, which has kind of this concept of self. And I was really struck by um, Paul and Malcolm Huxter's and Choden's article this year, the, the April article discussing sort of these evolution-informed approaches and kind of Buddhist approaches to compassion. And um, it's particularly where people have trouble shifting from, say, an anxious self or an angry self or a sad self or a grieving self or whatever the self is, to compassionate self. And so some people can do it easily, some people can do it easily enough in some contexts. Um, but for many people, they really struggle to make that shift you know, from, from kind of a threat based system to a kind of a more compassionate sort of system. Um, and I was really struck by how this is used in other approaches and having kind of experienced that wanted to bring some of that to compassion. So. So I guess this sort of non-duality, this sort of dissolving of self and other, um, that are present, that I've noticed now in Buddhist traditions, and also in, um, I, I guess this sort of um, Paul Paul was calling in, in the article sort of um, awareness of awareness, um, as as a way to shift out of a neutral zone, like a a safe place to shift into. As you come out of the threat system into this place and then to be able to shift into compassionate self. So, so mm. it's something that's kind of exploring and trying to sneak it into the kind of the group work. So I'll try and extend some of the exercises with these ideas. So, so yeah. Mm. Like that.
0: Yeah, that's that's really fascinating. I mean, sometimes uh, it, it we sort well, I I sort of you know kind of talk about pattern switching and you know, like it all sounds so sort of simple (laughs) let's just shift the brain and body pattern from from threat to compassion or whatever but as you say that's the 64 million dollar question for people isn't it you know how to Mm. how to do that how to make that shift you know that that's once they're able to sort of gradually more readily move into the compassionate self then then that's you know kind of an enormous amount of the the work Mm. done and being able to bring the compassion itself to, to all of the, the suffering, yeah. um, but it's, it's tricky. I'll be very interested to hear where all of those thoughts gradually take you. Yes. Um, in fact, I might even put the link to that article in the, mm. the little show notes below as well, because um, that, that certainly might be of interest to, to others too.
1: Yeah. It's a great article.
0: So uh, just before we finish up, I, I often like to get some, um, you know, maybe your, your three top tips or something like that, <laughs> and maybe to do with running CFT in groups. I mean, I think that really is a, 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 an area of great expertise and experience for you. What what, what would you say might be three top tips for for running CFT groups?
1: Well, well, I guess um, the interview you did with Alison Dixon back in May 2021 oh, yes. was really inspirational for me to you know the wisdom of the group and getting the group to do the work and mm. and in that sense um I often use a lot of pairs work in group work and get them to kind of pair a kind of um a mildly challenging moment where they struggle to apply compassion but something with a bit of bite in it that keeps but they can stay in the window of tolerance with the skill right and and lots of Lots of practice of, you know, the brief setup of a bit of soothing breathing, so place imagery, kind of building compassion itself, and then now into pairs and then come back and reflect. So that that sort of across the day would be my sort of um, classic way of doing it because then it's not you talking anymore. It's people giving it a go and learning off each other. So they'll watch how the other person does it. And then we come back to the group where they'll hear kind of how other people went with it and what fears, blocks and resistances turned up for them or how they went about it, what successes they had. So I really, really kind of, I've, I've, I have I've, really try to speak less and less delivery of content and really just try and give the minimum amount to set something up and I'll provide that, you know, as reading or other things if they want to look at it, but getting them doing the work is the first thing. Um, on a similar thing kind of less thinky compassion and more feeling compassion mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so so if you can get them to feel something around compassion and then often pause and have them sit with that for a moment and notice kind of what's happening right so so um i i know we've made a breakthrough when someone gets that first felt sense of it that's mm. that's gold so really kind of aiming mm. for that moment um, and I guess this is almost sort of saying quite almost the same thing, but this we were just talking about the shifting out of, you know, threat based selves into yes. kind of compassionate self. So lots of that shifting across the day, practicing, getting not well, people sort of naturally end up back in their threat system again. And then this awareness of that, um, some brief practices to get them to shift, and then use of the skills in compassionate self. So, so trying to have that happen as many times across the day right is is another thing i aim for because you know you you don't want to just have them come and do that once because in real life you've got to you know the phone rings and you've got to be able to shift into compassionate self by the time you answer the phone so Mm. you know this is something you've got to kind of be able to do quickly so lots of practices of that
0: Okay, yeah, the taking advantage of the the group with with pair work or or sort of interactional stuff amongst the group themselves and yeah. the sharing of experiences and and so on, really trying to create that felt sense, as they say, of of compassion and and sort of managing the what they Deborah Lee is it talks about the head heart lag type thing. Mm. You know, people yes. people yes. might know it, and, but it's that ability to really. Sort of feel it, or, or you know, have an experiential sense of it, and and then you know, and then practice, practice, practice the the sort of the shifting, the the threat system, threat activation to compassionate self. I mean, as you say, there's there's all sorts of little micro moments across the day, isn't there, where we can try where we might want to try to do that with <laughs> the yeah. the next phone call or you know sort of the interaction at the shops or something happens at home or at work and all of a sudden we're, we're wanting that practice behind us to be able to to make the shift
1: it, it's it's magic in those groups Dan when you kind of um you say all right you know you know we might be doing shame so think of a kind of moment where you kind of shame really turns up and it you make it it makes it hard for you to kind of um, practice good self-kindness or be, be connected to others. And then because you've got the kind of the momentum of the group, all right, okay, so everyone, everyone's got one, and we make sure it's not too kind of whatever. Okay, all right, so plant your feet, We're going to do some soothing breathing now. So you could kind of get this ritual going where the whole group kind of knows we're about to work with this aversive experience and and you get them all sitting in pairs and all right, so everyone close your eyes on the spot and you go through the ritual of it. And then they're into the pair work and people just do it it's amazing
0: yeah. yes <laughs> they, they they sort of assume the position sort of thing you know sure. feet flat on the exactly. floor <laughs> roll back the shoulders boom yeah. they're there um no no i i love it and that that's the um that really is the beauty of even just you know kind of repetition and practice oh. and you know they yeah. learn about it and then they practice it but you know you can sort of see as they begin to just really embody it uh, and yeah. um, bring it online. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, th- thank you very much for uh, you, the, being willing to to have this chat. Where where can people be in touch with you? I guess if if they're interested to know more or or that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, probably best from our website. So okay, um, yeah. So www.collectly.com. So I've sent you the link. Stand. You can. Oh add yes. That to the-
0: yeah, good. I'll I'll pop that down the down the bottom of the the show notes as they sometimes <laughs> call it. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, wonderful to see you. I look forward to to catching up again soon. And thank you very much. Thank you, Stan.